we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we broadcast loud and queer, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and recognise their own history as well as their queer history and community members. The voice for LGBTQ plus youth and music only on sin. This is Loud and Queer. Welcome to Loud and Queer, the voice for queer youth and music on sin. My name is Elizabeth, my pronouns are she, her, I am bisexual and I'm coming to you on Boonwurrung land and I would like to acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Hey, my name is Sammy, I am asexual, my pronouns are they, them, and I'm coming to you from the Wurundjeri lands in the Kulin Nation and uh, I acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. And my name's Laura, I'm non-binary and queer, and my pronouns are they, them, and I'm um, speaking to you from Wamba and Parepa Parepa land, and would like to acknowledge sovereignty was never ceded. If you want to check us out after the show, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at SinLoud, that's at S-Y-N-Loud, as well as Loud and Queer on Facebook. You can also check out our podcasts on OMI, Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Music. You can listen to us uh, live, which you might already be doing so right now. But if you listen to this in podcast form, um, we are on airs Sundays at 3pm on 90.7 FM or online at sin.org.au. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk about all queer news in Australia and um, especially dive into the topic of sexuality and gender on the Australian census this year. And uh, another thing we'll be chatting about is the representation of a non-binary character on a Disney cartoon or gender non-conforming character. Um, And then lastly, we'll have Froth or Not. This podcast is brought to you by Sin Media. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin I'm Sammy, and uh, we're about to do the news whip around now. Uh, luckily, today we don't have any specific content warnings for you. Just, you know, some straight news or queer news. To be- <laughs> Sorry. Um, I thought that was funny, but it probably wasn't. And, um, yeah, <laughs> a little bit of a, a funny one to round off the end. So... From Queer News, more than a dozen LGBTQIA plus organisations will take up residence in a groundbreaking new community centre that will host essential groups and services for queer people across Melbourne. The Pride Centre on Fitzroy Street in St Kilda is the first of its kind in Australia, built to connect the queer community with essential services, including health, legal, financial and entertainment providers. Pride Centre Chair Hang Vo said it was important to create permanent space for the LGBTQIA plus community. Ver said, members of our community no longer have to be in temporary accommodation or, you know, visit a service through the back door because there's judgment. Now we're all here in this space where we're visibly here and we're here to stay. Out in Perth reports, the City of Perth has adopted a new LGBTQIA plus inclusion plan. One of the proposals is to establish a pride hub within the City of Perth. Melbourne's recently opened Pride Centre was an Australian first, backed by a $25 million investment from the state government. It brought together a wide array of LGBTQ plus focused services under one roof. Local community members are hoping a similar facility can be established in Western Australia. The new inclusion plan was developed by a group of 15 local community members who put their hands up to help the city improve its relationship with the local LGBTQIA plus communities. 
to move the proposal forward, co-chairs of the group, David Goncalves and Paul Hunt, are setting up Perth Pride Hub, a new exploratory committee to drive the project forward. Goncalves said, while this is early days for the Perth Pride Hub, we are very optimistic. Uh, the next step is to find corporate and community leaders to drive the project forward and begin formal conversations with key stakeholders and potential sponsors. While Victoria spent millions of dollars building a brand new building in St Kilda, the proponents of the Perth Pride Hub say that there may be a cheaper and faster development pathways for West Australia. From Key News, RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under producers offered New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern a guest spot on the show, but the leader turned it down. The Australian-New Zealand edition of the franchise was filmed in Auckland during January and February. It debuted worldwide a few months later. According to the New Zealand Herald, the show's producers were really, really tried to get the leader to drop in during the filming. Official emails released under the Kiwi law reveal producers from Warner Brothers sent at least four emails to Arden's office. We'd absolutely love to have Jacinda Arden appear as a guest judge, a producer wrote in a December 15 email. According to the Herald, the show's producers added they really don't want to have to ask Judith, referring to Jacinda's rival's National Party leader, Judith Collins. Arden's chief of staff, Andrew Campbell, eventually responded to RuPaul's to Drag Race Down Under's requests. He replied that the start of the year is a very busy time for the Prime Minister, who was juggling various events. However, Campbell did wish the team the best and said Arden and her team look forward to watching it. I just had to say, like include that one because I thought it was so funny that they just didn't want to ask Judith Collins. That's amazing. I don't watch Drag Race at all. I just thought that was hilarious. But um, you two both live in Melbourne. How have things been um, with the Pride Centre opening? Have you heard much about it? Or I'll admit I haven't heard too much, but it, the hearing that now, that sounds absolutely amazing. I definitely want to go see it when we open up again. Yeah, I think that's the key. Mm. I haven't heard much about it um, and I haven't really been looking like keeping myself up to date with it because I don't see myself going to physical centers like that anytime soon. Um, and like any mm. kind of uh, engagement with the community and person I'm doing right now is kind of a lot more work than just like community hubs. Um, but it is mm. really exciting still. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm kind of keen to break it down more maybe. And I don't know, we could talk about it on the show or something another time, but yeah, I'm interested because I heard um, like Joy FM, the queer radio station has moved in there and I'm sure a bunch of other organisations that I have been aware of have moved there as well. But um, it'll be interesting to see who it serves and how it serves the community, I think. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Who it mm. serves, we, we shall see. Yeah, exactly. Sin advises that the following content may be distressing for some listeners. If you need support right now, you can call Q Life at 1-800-184-527. You can also find some helpful resources at minus18.org.au. Welcome back to Loud and Queer with your hosts, Sammy, Liz and Laura. Uh, so I wanted to talk about the census today because I got my little, my census pack in the mail. Mm. Um and found out pretty shortly after that that there are no sexuality questions on the census. How do we feel about that? Tired. So tired. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not surprised at all, to be honest. Like, given just last season we're talking about how there, there's all this, like, 
quite hardcore legislative discrimination going on against like the community right now to to be like oh mm. we're not acknowledged on the census is you know I, i'm not it's not too surprising to me at this point yeah gen- gender is, is quite binary in like our court and legal systems and yeah mm. do you think it would help and this is to either of you do you think it would help in like institutions like that to be recognized or do you think it would just feel um unwelcoming i think for something like a census it definitely needs to be because that that's tracking it's trying to track information about you know the population so if the, if the, if the option's mm. there then the government can see that there's, there's maybe more like trans and uh non-binary or like gender queer identifying people out there um mm. yeah exactly it's just like I don't know, I'm tired of being seen as invisible by the government at this point. Like, mm. obviously, when they do bring a lot of attention to us, half the time it's not good. But, like, again, like, it's the census. It's the point of it is to be mapping out the community. And, like, and if you're completely ignoring a huge demogra- de- demographic, that's that's a problem. Mm. Yeah, and even the, so there's no sexuality questions and in the gender section you can choose male, female or non-binary. So there's no mention of if you would like to identify as a trans man or a trans woman or transgender on its own. There's no questions about intersex people and there's no, um, I don't, I think there's kind of an option to write something under non-binary. I haven't looked specifically, but... Um, but I don't think they really are going to record the different kinds of of genders that don't fit into male and female. So, yeah, I think that's a big letdown because some of the services that we're probably lacking the most is, is um, gender services and that, you know, often mm-hmm. they get really centralised like you know, pride centers in Fitzroy, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but if that's the only kind of place that people can go and they live like somewhere far out in greater Melbourne or in regional areas, and that's sort of their first touchstone, I think it would feel less, um, it would feel more vindicating to know exactly where our queer populations are and be able to say, we need services here. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think like just the most important factor in this is that like if the sen- if this information isn't being collected in the census to understand like the scope of like queer Australia generally it it it, it becomes like up to community orgs and and groups with no funding to be really running like studies that should be at a much higher scope um to kind of like track this data. And so like we yeah, you know, we only really have an estimation of of these figures because it's not being tracked to this like official degree yeah definitely yeah I think like the like one thing that I find a bit just like disappointing with it is that just like like 2017 is when gay marriage was finally legalized in Australia so like this would have been like the perfect time for the census to finally like implement all of this stuff considering that if my math is correct like the last census wouldn't have had it which like 
in a really re- redundant sort of way, kind of understand why it wasn't in there just because that wasn't, it wasn't like legalized yet. But now the fact that it is legalized, like this is the ample time to start adding all this important information in and adding these important demographics and looking at them and seeing and like you've acknowledged that we have the we have have rights give us let us be heard so we can get more of them yeah give us like healthcare. <laughs> we don't yeah. need, we don't even like absolutely need marriage you know what I mean but we need health care <laughs> exactly. like a psychologist that know how to actually talk to trans people and we need you know to not be like oppressed is I don't know exactly. I always like sometimes when I say that stuff I'm like is this too simplified and they're like no that's that's it we just need to be counted so that we know the rest of what we need <laughs> it, it feels it feels funny to talk this grand scope but like we like we obviously all know the issues within the community mm-hmm. like and like what people are going through but it's like for for things to be like acted on legislatively they need to have those like numerical Mm, figures and they don't care to track that right now so it's like (laughs) you have to talk quite grand scope to it because it's like well you know until until they have an idea of 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 who needs that support nothing is going to happen Yeah, exactly. When the CEO of LGBTIQ plus Health Australia said on this that uh, we still don't know how many people in Australia are lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, intersex, queer, otherwise, or sexuality or gender diverse, and that, you know, that doesn't, like, give them any way to kind of advocate. I think, you know, like, the government's probably aware that these organisations are, like, trying to advocate based on, like, patchy stats that they've had to collect themselves and so they can be like oh we don't really know you know there could be two percent of the population that's queer there could be like 30 but you know you can't prove that so I feel like that's kind of a way that they can ignore queer advocates is to just say it's such a minority that they don't have to listen to it Mm. yeah um and then you know like there's already um Another thing that they said was um, when queer people are uncounted and undercounted, when services are unplanned and funding allocated, that's like a way of compounding adverse health outcomes. So just something to, you know, that needs to be addressed clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, yeah, what, what I guess would you two want to see, like, what services do you think are lacking or where should there be advocacy at the moment you know what do you two think as part of the community well from uh the national day of trans visibility that just passed there was like a small kind of opening gathering that was organized at state library Mm -hmm. where people just came in and spoke about what they felt like needed to be addressed um and i think i think just like honing in on like the mental health crisis is is like the main issue mm. on like mm. the most marginalized people in our communities like um concerns right now especially because like crisis we all most people know that like crisis mental health care is like quite inadequate in this country mm. yeah um and it's really when there's like no considerations for kind of gender identity coming into that as well mm. um 
it's you know crisis healthcare can just end up harming people even more mm. and that that's meant to be like the last resort um in terms of like giving getting someone care so mm. you know it, it's a it's a really extreme issue um that yeah there's no tracking of but can save at least from that last day of people people literally just coming together in a kind of town square and talking about things mm. that's that was the overwhelming issue I heard from yeah, people. Yeah, and I think maybe another one that I've noticed is um, domestic violence support for queer people. Like the people handling that one, cops, not great. And then two, you know, allied health. I think, um, you know, unless those staff are queer, they don't seem to know how queer relationships work or how to handle it and they address it badly from from what I can see outside of that issue but it seems like another thing on kind of a parallel level yeah that was kind of similar to what I was going to say just because like mm. like in issues like that like just having places and like resources for queer youth in Australia that, that they're able to access it and like places they can go to to be safe and everything because like Mm. slightly off topic, but like a huge amount of like youth homelessness in Australia like a large portion that can come from like kids getting kicked out of their homes because or running away because mm. they're in unsafe environments for being queer and it's like well given like one of the one of the biggest advocates for um talking about youth homelessness in Australia is a horrifically homophobic one like it's mm. who's that south asian army oh right yeah yep <laughs> yeah like every every time i see a salvo is like i die a little inside um mm-hmm. um but it's like, like there should be more places where people can feel safe and they mm. places they can reach out to and know like they can go and they're not gonna they're gonna be they're gonna receive adequate support and care and it doesn't matter and then don't have to hide the reason why like they can just say they can look for people and get support from people and yeah like it's just yeah more important more resources I guess like in that point is what's really important and for a lot of queer youth at this time Mm, definitely um yeah so if you are listening to this and you want to bring up something that um you'd like to see counted on the census for queer people or, or anything to do with sexuality and gender, um, add us at SinLoud on Instagram or Twitter and let us know. Um, if any of these topics caused you distress, call Q Life on 1-800-184-527 or Lifeline 13-1114. Welcome back to Loud and Queer. You're here with Liz and Loz. Sammy had to jump out of the recording, um, jump out of the show, whatever you prefer, um, because of some tech issues. So thanks for joining us, Sam. Um, We're going to chat something a little less serious now. Um, I... I don't even know where to start. So <laughs> if any of you weren't aware, as I wasn't aware, there was this thing called Muppet yeah. Babies, yeah, that's what it's called. I believe. It's, you know, like Disney bought uh, the Muppets, like the rights to the Muppets, I guess, and made like an animated show. So they are no longer puppets on this show. They are cartoon baby muppets it's like it's, <laughs> it's like you know like, you, like looney tunes kids 
where it's like that cartoon show where it was like all the Looney Tunes mm. characters, but they're all babies. It's basically that, but for the Muppets. Yeah, yeah. And they did this thing where they had like a Cinderella style ball and everyone went um, and Gonzo, baby Gonzo wanted to go in a dress. And I think all of the, um, all the like girl Muppets were like, no, Gonzo, you've got to wear a knight's clothes like the other boys. And then um, a, a stranger showed up at the ball that night in a dress looking very beautiful and um, dazzled everyone and then ran away and left their shoe. And then the next day, baby Miss Piggy goes up to Gonzo and says, we've got this shoe of this beautiful princess, but we don't know whose it was. Um, and Gonzo says, actually, hang on. Gonzo says, everyone, there's something I need to tell you. The princess who came to your ball tonight was me. And with a puff of magic that makes the dress reappear, they reveal I'm Gonzarella. And while I never watched The Muppets, uh, I saw that on Instagram or something and I thought it was very sweet. And I wanted to talk about representation in children's uh, cartoons. So what did you think? That is really sweet to see. Like I'm a, like I really love to advocate when it comes to like, uh, like LGBTQIA plus representation in children's media because that is mm. just so important for kids to see that this is normal this isn't weird there are people that support you like you are you are seen you are represent you're represented out here so like obviously Mm. like there was no like if there's hasn't been like an official confirmation or anything that confirms gonzo is non-binary or anything but at the very least they are gender non-conforming which is Mm. still pretty big compared to like a lot of a, a lot of like media out there that won't go that route mm. and it's just a nice reminder that your you know gender assigned at birth shouldn't dictate what you can wear like you can just enjoy the thing you want to wear if you think a dress is pretty and it makes you feel cute to wear one then that's cool exactly I think that's also most important as well because like generally like, like most like feet like most female presenting individuals like they're able to quote unquote get away with dressing more masculine most of the time but that's never not normal that's normally not the case for a lot of like masculine individuals like it's very like there is a, a bit more of a what's the proper word for this just like a bit more backlash towards it when like, like mad people when, yeah when they when they wear when they wear or when they enjoy feminine hobbies feminine things like it's there's much more backlash to it, which is very frustrating. But so seeing like seeing yeah. this is really sweet. Yeah. Um, some call that trans misogyny in case anyone's looking for the word. Um, oh, that's the word. And basically it just means that there's an intersection of misogyny and transphobia that specifically, um, I guess, targets trans feminine people or AMAB people who are more feminine um, presenting and Mm. yeah it's it's crap and it's probably the worst kind of transphobia because it leads to a lot of violence and it's also um, something that sets off that lovely old toxic masculinity that you hear Mm -hmm. in in a lot of 
in a lot of ragey dudes um, and also apparently a lot of uh, conservative women because <laughs> conservative commentator Candace Owens uh, tweeted about the episode and said, I can't believe I'm tweeting this, but they're pushing the trans agenda on children via Muppet Babies. She went on to say, this is sick and perverted. Everyone should be disturbed by predatory cartoons meant to usher children into gender dysphoria. Bring back manly Muppets, anyone? Question mark. <laughs> and, um, I mean, she's made her own point. The Muppets weren't manly anyway. They were just felt. They're just felt characters. And they're just really... Hashtag- Hashtag give Kermit muscles. <laughs> God. <laughs> the whole fantastic thing about Kermit is that he's a noodle. He is. <laughs> that makes it so fun. It's, I just find it so funny. Like, this is like, like, obviously, we know at this point, like, so many conservatives just look for reasons to get offended by everything and, like, they default to, like, all the same like drivel being just like oh think of the children pushing the agenda oh how they're, they're trying to force so much onto our children as if they're not forcing the straight agenda on us every single day of our lives but yeah and I think that's something that's come up a lot lately um I don't know if you follow Matt XIV on Instagram they are great they do a lot of like advocacy and information sharing that's like true to the queer like a lot of queer people and um a lot of what they they advocate for is just you know stop gendering clothes I mean you like there's also that issue of um you know you will always kind of um I guess attribute you know you know masculinity or femininity to things but I guess don't gender people so that they have to pick kind of gendered clothing is the the thing there um and also like look yeah, up exactly. they're quite cute in like a ridiculous muffet way oh i agree it's, very <laughs> it's, it's, it's adorable um yeah. what would that have meant to you liz to see that as a kid i know you've mentioned um a little while back that um you know gender is something that you've thought about too um not just sexuality yeah um like again like relationship with gender has always been a, been a funny thing but mm. like it, I think it's really important to see this kind of stuff because again like it's so important to see like hey you're not weird there's nothing wrong with you if you like this kind of stuff like there's nothing wrong for liking it something like because mm. obviously like you you see it all the time. Like we, again, like you said it before and like Sammy said a bit of for, a bit ago as well. It's like we live in a very binary society at this point. Like everything is divided up by the, by that, the binary between male and female, which is really frustrating, but that's just how it is. And that's, that's a result of like shit like religion, uh, capitalism, like mainly capitalism at this point, like, but it's, it, there's this whole thing and like again that toxic masculinity push of like oh you can't like you can't like that stuff you're a boy you can't do that like that's for girls like you're not a what are you a little girl like it's this so it's like so much of that like toxic again toxic masculinity so 
seeing that and like so like if we'll because like I could picture like a little like a little boy seeing that when they're watching TV and being like oh Gonzo's wearing a dress there that's amazing like I want to wear a dress like it I like I see I see it as like it's such it's important representation in that way because again it pushes like this is normal like and like it's 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 important to see that I think Mm. if, if I'm making any sense yeah I agree and I think it like also is a good reminder that um that gender isn't secondary to sexuality when you're introducing it to kids like I think a lot of um the discourse around it has been that we should encourage um children to to know about other sexualities and that's obviously fantastic and important but I think also just breaking down that we don't need to um force people into boxes when they're young and you know to it's not pushing a trans agenda it's just letting people perform their gender in the way they feel most comfortable by not restricting them and not placing expectations on them yeah and it's it's nice to see that like because again we talked about it like hell I think like one of my first or second episodes being on this show like how in like how I'm very tired of like so many certain things in queer representation in the media and just wanting just Mm -hmm. like more representation that is just there it's natural like it and it's just important in that regard and things like this this is like this is definitely like the kind of stuff that I mean like it's Mm. like it's it's there it's like it doesn't it's obviously they've got that the backlash and everything but who who gives a shit like it's like Mm. finally like we're seeing this in like in more children's media and like like it's not alone in that regard because I know like a lot of media right now is finally like starting to get that more proper push because like mm. obviously it's been there but it's a lot of the time it's like you know very much in the background and everything but it's being it's bringing it's coming more into the foreground these days and that's so important. Yeah and I think like when I brought up putting this on the show was thinking about that point you made because although it's not explicitly saying oh I'm gonzarella I'm non-binary it's it's not kind of using that um moment as a quip and it's not misusing coming out like I don't think Mm. you know I think in terms of if that's if we see that as a coming out moment I don't think it's misusing um that trope in the way that a lot of shows or movies tend to do where that's the whole Mm. plot for the queer character and then that ends um yeah exactly and I think that you know while a hundred percent we should have more characters saying I like x or I identify as x um I think this one was quite explicit in the way that it you know then Gonzo does a twirl and their dress reappears and that kind of thing and it's like well that's pretty clear to me like if I were a kid you know I wouldn't have any of those terms and I wouldn't be like talking in this specific way about queerness but I would see that and like take it in and that would be a part of the visibility for me growing up and the like internal acceptance yeah so I think that's still 
more on the <laughs> for me on the side of the good ones whereas there you know a lot of former Disney um shows and movies they've they've either made it a quip that the que- there's a queer couple like I remember mm. although this is Dreamworks I think how to train your dragon two or three there was you know that character that like for half a second you see him with his husband and there's like a very subtle comment about it and then you know the plot kind of overtakes everything and you're like whipped out of that moment and you have literally whiplash from that because it wasn't coming out it wasn't a genuine like expression of you know queer acceptance it was like a mention and it was it was I'm, like I'll be honest, like I didn't even I I love the How to Train Your Dragon franchise, and I didn't even didn't even know about big, that. Like there was a big thing about that, but yeah, you can so easily miss it. Is the thing? Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, it was the same in uh in Frozen as well. Yeah, I, I remember the, the Frozen that. one. I know, and people lost it over that. And fair enough. Yeah. Oh it's my god! Cool. Look at this representation. God, like it's. Like, one hard thing when it comes to representation I know is that, like, a lot of, like, the LGBTQIA plus community, we've been given just scraps for so long that, like, we'll just take what we can mm-hmm. get and accept it and then, like, praise it when it's, like, mm-hmm. we deserve better than this. And, like, I think, like, this stuff, mm-hmm. stuff like this is really simple because, again, it's a it's a kid's show. Like, I'm not expecting them to, like, like – there was, like a bit ago for Pride Month, um, Blue's Clues had this huge episode talking about it where they had like a huge Pride parade and they actually talked about all the a bunch of different like fa- like showed a bunch of different families that didn't conform to that nuclear family dynamic. There were people that had like mm. two dads, two mums, like the people that were waving around trans and non-binary flags. Like it was, and they talked about it, which was. Like, which was huge, and that is fantastic because that is like Blue's Clues. That it's pretty educational in that regard, and that's like such an amazing step. And obviously, you can't expect that from every single show because, again, not all shows are educational and stuff. But showing that, mm. like, showing it's normal. Like, here's here's another example. Um, spoilers for the um the show The Owl House. It's another Disney show. Mm. Um, but like one of the most recent episodes that came out, it's it. Like the one of the big things that are happening in like over the season were these two characters, the main character Luz and like her former rival turned friend Amity, and Amity was hardcore crushing and pining for for Luz, and like that it was very very obvious. Like she was blushing, stumbling over her words, and eventually, mm. like as time went on, Luz was starting to reciprocate that kind of those feelings as well, and to the point mm. where in one episode. Amity kissed Luz on the cheek and was really going like, oh, my God, why did I do that? Why did I do that? You know, the very classic cute teen love story stuff. And then yeah. I believe in the latest episode, they finally, like, asked to go out with one another, which is huge. Like, they were holding hands. Mm-hmm. They, like, ki- they kissed each other, like, on the cheek, I believe. But that's still mm-hmm. amazing because that is, like, that is, like, there is a genuine little love story that has happened mm-hmm. that is just a natural progression and it's the show is still going right now so we get to see them as a couple for more of it like that is it's just nice like it's nice representation to see and I want to I want to see more of that I want to see more stuff like that I want to see more stuff like this with Gonzarella like 
it's mm. it's just so nice to see representation in media like well in children's media primarily it's mm-hmm. it's doing better now like there's still obviously we still have so much to go and I would love to have more examples to give compared mm-hmm. to like other shows and or shows that like have less problematic elements like I know Kippo and the Age of the Wonder Beast had the same sort of thing where they had a like a really sweet gay couple that came that came together like during the second season and then there were a couple all throughout season three which is just it's nice and I want more of it yeah for sure and when I was putting this segment together I was thinking about um shows that I had seen as a kid that made me feel validated and obviously there was nothing like this but there was um you know I think just the representation of kids who felt um I guess restricted by the gender roles that were on them and that you know Mm. that kind of looked very cishet so it, it isn't representation but it's like the only thing I could understand so I don't know if you saw Jane and the Dragon yeah 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 she like you know even even the roles they put on her she's expected to kind of like kill the dragon so that's even more of a masculine role um but she's a princess and she's expected to like train to kill the dragon I think or something like that to fight the dragon um it's not so explicit because it's a kid show but you know she's like a tomboy and she um she you know doesn't like wearing dresses I'm pretty sure and she's got like wild hair and and um is friends with the dragon and is really like sort of um rough like rough and ready kind of thing and I just like I just was like this is this is kind of it this is getting the thing that my brain wants like sort of um but yeah there was never like a I don't it was never like enough but it's like I I could already tell as a kid you know like it's not pushing a trans agenda and we know that but like if you want like evidence in my you know world it was that um like when I was a kid it was that I was seeking this stuff out long before I knew what any of it was rather than the other way around so and you know there were a lot of shows that I really liked because they had a kid dressing in like quote-unquote the wrong clothes Mm. so that for me is an interesting you know sign that early on I was looking for representation and I was not really getting it but I was finding ways to get it yeah exactly and I think that's just what's like that's why it's just so important now because like again like you were seeking out that that representation even though like you couldn't really find it well there are other people out there that are doing the exact same thing that they would that that you did at your age and it's very like it's just the importance of being seen and not having to deal with just everything just being like you know the classic straight white male and female is just like Mm. it's good it's nice to see that we're not having to still got a long way to go obviously but like we're doing so much better now than we have been the past few years like I know obviously it can be hard because there's things like executive meddling and stuff like that but at the Mm. same time it's like I've I've noticed with a lot of executive meddling it's a lot of case of like they just want they just don't want it they'll just cut it out so like mm. like but 
so it can get a bit frustrating when there's just when pick creators sort of like lay on the metaphors and make it very convoluted so you're kind of like having to really like really squint to see it so just Mm. having it just be said outright is nice and it's just that's it's the kind of thing like like it's nice being able to like if I wanted to go online and google like LGBTQIA characters in children's media and I can find multiple different lists like some of them Mm. are very repetitive with the same characters but it's nice to still see that it's it's better now than how it used to be. Yeah, and I think the one thing that um, I guess would be great as well is, you know, even, um, I guess, different intersections of, of queerness as well. So, you know, disabled and queer or being like a queer person of colour. I think, you know, we need um, creators like that because even, you know, the most obvious case of a confirmed non-binary kind of cast in a kid's movie on Steven Universe you know there's a lot yeah. of oh um, actually actually yeah. yeah actually there was another thing I want to say with the Our House again they actually now have a confirmed mm. older non-binary woman that goes by they them pronouns which is like oh, cool yeah which is nice again but like again like as you're saying there like Steven Universe like it you don't want to disregard like it did do a lot for like pushing a lot more representation and everything but that you really I would love there to be more examples so we don't have to constantly look to Steven Universe because again as you just said there are a lot of really racist undertones in a lot of the characters and episodes Mm. which is really disappointing to see like yeah it's yeah so it would be really nice if we have examples where we don't have to turn to this one this one show that has, oh, it's got this great thing in it, but ignore all the really bad stuff in it. Like, let's have a show that we can turn to and say, look at all of this and look how great it is. Mm, definitely. And, yeah, I think that's, um, you know, it's a hard thing to say, oh, we need that and then one day we'll have it because obviously there's structural racism in um, just getting to pitch a show and getting to have it produced mm. um, as a, a black creator and especially if you're black and queer, I'm sure that's, you know, a POC creator. But, um, yeah, I think it's something we need to encourage, I guess, other producers and creators to um, to be doing and to consider those narratives in the work and who's writing it. Um, so I guess it's down to, yeah, like, you know, us as – um, we're both, you know, media, like involved in the media, and we're also, um, yeah. you know, audiences. So we can kind of encourage that in our own ways and seek out um, people who are doing that work. So, yeah, something to look something at. Something to, to... <laughs> it's not an easy answer. Or it's, it, you know, <laughs> obviously there are easy answers and people don't want to take them. But um, yeah, I think using your influence to encourage that kind of thing is important. Yeah, exactly. It's it's the kind of it's the they're the kind of problems that don't have just a straightforward answer. They need time and they need a lot of work. But we're taking steps in the right direction. I'd love to take more bigger steps, but still steps regardless are still they're still important and I think that's what matters. Mm, 
Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is if there are any producers listening to this show for some reason, like give <laughs> give your resources to queer people of colour and disabled people. I don't, I don't, yeah, I'm reaching out. <laughs> welcome. welcome back to Loud and Queer with Liz and Loz. <laughs> now we're going to go into our froth or not for the by the way, Liz, the do you um, do you have to leave at four or before four? No, um, actually, um, the lockdown. Oh right, of course. I'm so sorry, God. It's all good. So no, I'm fine. I can go for as long as needed. Oh God, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh wow. When I heard lockdown six. Oh. No. <laughs> I was laughing. I was just like, oh, this can't be real. And this you're it's not. real. Is this your not this week? Because <laughs> it would be mine it, for you. It's my not. So to people that are, that, to people are listening and everything, like at the time when we were arranging to record this and everything, originally like we're recording this like early afternoon and stuff and I was meant to be leaving at around like four or so because I had to get to the city to do some like filming and stuff for a show I work on but um we've been we've just been trying so hard right now to get the show done like we have two more episodes left to film and so far like we've had how how many lockdowns probably three lockdowns got in the way of it right yeah yeah three lockdowns have gotten in the way of us filming this thing so like we've been trying so hard just to get it finished and get it done Mm -hmm. and we're so behind which it can't be helped again lockdowns are lockdowns At this point, it's almost like I feel almost apathetic to it. Like, I'm just, I'm tired of it. Like, f- again, full disclosure, not going to say, like, oh, I protest against this kind of stuff. Like, the lockdowns are important to keep us safe and keep mm-hmm. the virus from spreading any more than it needs to. Yeah. But I would just really love if there would stop. I would just love to have no more. Yeah. Yeah, I really... I was thinking the other day, like, this was before, you know, that you even had to go back into lockdown, but just everyone, everyone listening out there, please um, just know that this one random queer on the radio really admires you, and I'm not trying to, like, inspiration porn you all, because <laughs> obviously you can't help that you're in Melbourne and that you have to go into lockdown but I, I like really hope you're all doing well and I hope you have support systems and I hope you're looking out for each other and like all of you that have been following the rules and doing the right thing the last more than 18 months, like you're all moving mm. and I'm so sorry you have to do it again because, yeah, I lived in Melbourne until April this year um, Yeah, and I, I get it. I, yeah, it was horrible last year, so I can't imagine um, the, like, and I don't, I don't know, like, just how triggering it must be to have to do it, like, over and over again. Yeah, I think it's just, like, any, like, I remember, at this point, it's just, like, this whole thing of just, like, all right, when's the next lockdown? Like, I, 
I was having a conversation with some friends a bit ago. We were kind of being like, oh, when was it? Was it lockdown four or lockdown five? Like mm. it's like it's so like it's it's becoming a new like judgment of time at this point. And mm. it's like obvious like it's just tiring at this point. Like I and I feel just for everyone because I know there are a lot of people out there. Like I've got one friend who can't stand the lockdowns because she really likes getting out there and being inside is like it just feels suffocating and having Mm. nothing to do because getting out there and doing that kind of stuff because obviously we can joke about how oh staying inside watching movies and everything but we're past that point now like Mm. we still have lives and life goes on and at this point we just want life to continue on so constantly having to go back into the lockdown it's like you just can never get comfortable I think just the annoying thing is you can never be like, all right, we're past this. We can go out and do stuff again. We can make plans and stuff. Like I've had like multiple different parties just constantly get delayed and delayed and delayed because it is kind of like we just can't right now and it's understandable why. Yeah. Yeah, just the, I guess, for a lot of communities like queer communities and and other marginalised groups that – one of the best things as well for our mental health can be gathering and we can't do that and you know obviously that's Mm. that's hard on everyone but I think for communities that um care for each other that's like pretty rough as well so yeah just just remember um I know social media like and zoom calls can feel um impersonal or unsatisfying I yeah I find them pretty tricky um Mm. to keep up with but you know try and try and not like socially isolate I guess is my yeah my advice to everyone after after last year um and also yeah exactly yeah, I think it's my not as well. Even though I'm not in lockdown, I'm like between two cities that are because I'm on the border of New South Wales and Victoria. And yeah, I can't yeah. Access anything. I can't like <laughs> go to Bunnings because it's like just over the border and I'm locked out now. <sighs> so we like have this thing called the border bubble. And I think I might have mentioned it a bit last week as well. But like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can't like crossover even though it was designed for us to be able to cross over but now um Dandrews has decided that it's so risky because Sydney won't do a, a ring of steel so <laughs> he's locked us out and the New South Wales side of the border is a lot more sparse on resources and things so it's it's a weird feeling it's just being like out on an island in in yeah it's very very strange yeah, I can. I, I can't. I can only imagine. Like that would just be like it would. It would be like it's such a weird, like almost like purgatory you're stuck in. Like mm-hmm. there's just so like there's so little you can do in that area. Like so few places you can go to because the places where you can go or the places you want to go mm-hmm. are locked off to you, and the other and the places that aren't locked off to you just don't really have what you're looking for, which is. Yeah, very annoying. I can only imagine. Yeah, and healthcare out here is so minimal that it's like I really hope I don't get sick because I'd normally get a million. Like it's quite (laughs) freaky. Um, but luckily I'm a pretty 
you know, well-off helping person, but I do feel for people that do need to travel. Um, and yeah, it's just been, it's just been such a weird time. And also like, I miss feeling like anonymous in like a massive city, like in this town, you're so like visible. And I think that's me too. I think like when I have, um, sometimes my anxiety spikes and when I'm in a town where like, I know that I could, you know, walk down the street and someone would know me like that is, a little intimidating when I want to just like hide away and you know do my own thing yeah I I kind of get what that's like like um mm-hmm. like a bit similar like it this was before obviously the lock all the lockdowns and COVID and everything but like when my mum first went back to school and everything like to because she's a teacher and stuff she started teaching mm-hmm. at a local primary school and it became really weird for her because it just suddenly meant that she was just so suddenly like surrounded by so many kids that she taught because they all live in the area as well. So she'd, she'd always be in like, hi, Mrs. Bush, like all this, like, <laughs> like she suddenly felt like everyone was looking at her at that time, which is a really weird feeling for her. And like, it took a long time to really adjust to that, which like, yeah, I can imagine like being in a small town, like it's mm. like, it, it's very much like a, everyone knows everyone sort of situation. Yeah, and I think when I was living in Melbourne, it was, like, really easy because I would dress in, like, my big baggy clothes on, like, an anxious day and, like, go out and be, you know, I'd blend into, like, a lot of people in yeah. Melbourne. and be, be invisible. Yeah, I'd be really invisible and I could, like, dress really queer and, and still be invisible and no one would, like, take a second look. But here it's like mm. if I want to dress the way I'd normally dress to feel comfortable and like walk down to the shops, it's very different because they are going to look. Because one, they just want to know who you are because they also know that, you know, anyone walking down the street could be someone they know. So they're just looking to like see if they should say hi. But then, you know, if they stare longer because they think you look like a weirdo, then that's very uncomfortable for someone who's like feeling anxious or like missing queer community. So yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's a it's a very strange little like snafu. Yeah. Well, regardless, no, you got a lot of people listening, and of course, me and Sammy, we're all here. We're all here for you, and Thank always you. free to talk whenever. So, which is. Again, like to anyone that's listening as well, like obviously it can be hard when you don't have like when you can feel a bit isolated in this time and you can sort of like struggle to have like all the people to connect to and everything. But just know there are people out there, like people out there that are willing to listen, people that want to reach out and people that want to help. So it's very Mm. like it's important to know that everyone. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And thanks for saying that. And I think as well... Um, just saying it on a radio station, like knowing it's out there and then someone, you know, one of like a few hundred people or whatever are listening might relate to it. I'm like, yeah, cool. That's like a nice thing. Cause I don't feel particularly social lately, but I'm like, so I, you know, like, I don't want to like, like actually tell 
a hundred people about this experience, but I can like pre-record it and let it go out into the world and they can just listen to it in their own time. And that's kind of nice. And having like, oh yeah, having heard stories from queer people who grew up in regional towns as well, I think I like am understanding a little bit of what they have told me. Although I had the like luck of not having to grow up and like experience puberty as a queer person in a regional town because I think that would be a crazy process that that would be wild (laughs) yeah I'm not sure I'm not sure it'd be a thing I'd want to handle or experience um but yeah it's just so if you are are handling it like props to all of you out there yeah exactly like and I guess something else I found Um, is while you might not have a physical local LGBT group, although a lot of regional towns actually do have small groups like that, but um, there are regional LGBT support networks, and I think a lot of them now have actually started doing Zoom meetups because they, you know, the pandemic made them realise, like, oh, this is a great way to get in touch if they weren't already doing that. So I'd recommend those as well. I haven't tried any, but I'd recommend giving them a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what's your frost? I want to talk about something happy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. um, Funny that it happened literally just as we were like recording and everything. Literally, like my dad walked in while we were recording. Um, I officially got my learner's card. Like the card finally came in. Hell yeah. And I I don't look terrible in the photo. So that is always a plus. I was so nervous when I got the photo I was just like oh god I think I look shit in it oh no this is my oh oh no I gotta just all right just keep the proof of age card on me for like other stuff but like make sure I've obviously got the learners while driving but make sure to keep the proof of age card for any other identity needs because but nope it's okay so I feel better now (laughs) that's great um so how long do you have that for? Like, what's the minimum you amount you can take to, like, learn before uh, you can go for your test? Or, uh, Well, since, like, I am currently 21, like, I don't have to worry about the, um, like, other rules in regards to it and stuff. Um, but technically I need to have it for six months. I still mm-hmm. plan to do a lot of driving and learning with my dad before then. But <laughs> Cool. Yeah, but it's. I do like that's yeah, that's how it is, which is yeah. I found it surprising the different rules. I guess it, I guess it kind of makes sense because like for ages and everything, because things change, but it's still mm-hmm. still wild to me. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's good to have. Have you done any lessons yet? I have. It was terrifying. <laughs> I remember when I first started learning to drive, and I was terrified of going up to like sixty k's an hour oh yeah <laughs> uh so like uh, for people that live in victoria i can't remember the exact it's like it's around Mentone, but there's this little area right by like the what's it the dva yeah mm. um where it's called learner's paradise and the reason for that is because since it's like got a lot of warehousey sort of areas and everything the roads there are pretty desolate mm. so it's a real hot spot where people go to like practice driving which makes sense so like we went there and as we finished up there it got very scary because um the 
my, right as we were about to pull over, like some of Dad could get out of the car and like, you know, he would take over so we could drive home. He was like, you know what, let's keep going. And we, I ended up driving all the way home, which was Ooh. genuinely kind of terrifying. It was like, he was like, we're going here. Okay, we, you're going to turn now. We're going to turn into our street. I'm sitting here like, oh my God, we're already on our street. What? <laughs> yeah, that that is quite freaky. I think um, like driving also confuses like my sense of distance so I think I've had the same experience where I've just been like wait where are we because like all I've been doing is listening to an instructor that say like turn left here and then go straight ahead and then turn right and like I I don't pay attention to where I am because I'm so focused on the road yeah yeah it's also like I also like I think also where you sit in the car because mm-hmm. like normally when you're not driving like you can recognize areas easily and you're sitting like in like the passenger seat or the back seats and then suddenly it's like you're in the drive you're in the front seat driving and it's like okay I've got to look around I've got to keep an eye out on all the cars on the road everywhere it, make sure doing the head turns make sure everything's over the line like the like the fact that I know that people some people like to drive for leisure I, I, I don't. I admire all of you people for that because that is not me. <laughs> I um, I definitely liked doing that when I am out in the country, but I hate doing it in the city. Like the city makes me such a ragey driver. <laughs> like I don't yell at anyone or do anything terrible, but just in my car, I'll be like seething because I just hate stop start traffic. I have no patience for it. Oh, no, fair enough, fair enough. And then, like, (laughs) the other thing you'll find is really freaky is when you first get your license and then you can, like, drive on your own for the first time and then you feel like something is missing because there's no one there to, like, check you. So it's, like, terrifying but also very freeing. I'm going to be a nervous wreck when I get to that point. I'm an anxious person. You'll be great. Um, (laughs) I understand, but you will actually love it once you get used to it. Well, thank you. What about you, though? What's a good froth for you to this week? Oh, Lord. Uh, (laughs) I haven't done anything this week. Um, Uh, How about this for a question for you? Um, How is your veggie garden doing? Oh no, it's not that great. <laughs> oh no, that's not oh, no. Oh, no. I need to I need to pick up my game. Um I planted really late in the season. So the everything's just starting to grow. My broccoli oh, aren't very good. big. But I think my peas I haven't like tied them properly, but my peas are starting to grow actual like snow peas on them, even though like half of them are flailing. And then um, my parsnip has really big frondy things, but I haven't, like, dug them up to see if they're, like, ready to eat. But I'm, like, I'm keen for that one because, like, I think I'm the most anxious about it because I haven't grown those before. But at the same time, um, at the same time, like, I'm excited because I haven't grown any root vegetables before. So I'm sort of like, ooh, what am I going to like pull up, you know, when when it's time? But then I'm worried that it'll be like a bloody, you know, some kind of like bug will have eaten it all and it'll just be very disappointing. (laughs) 
Oh, I get that. I used to, there was like a time when I was younger where we had like these potted plants where we would grow strawberries and we were like really excited to eat them. But yeah. then, the, then the ravens would come out and eat them or our dogs would eat them. So we never actually got to try the strawberries because they just were never ready. Yeah, exactly. Like they, it's so disappointing. I think it's just the most disappointing thing when you go to pick something and it looks beautiful and then the underside of it has been eaten by like a slug. (laughs) Oh, that's so disappointing. That happened a lot with my tomatoes last year. I still got a million tomatoes that were fine, as you do, but then there were a bunch (laughs) that like mice had been able to pick off because they'd like, Ooh. like grown low enough and they'll you'll just pick them up and you'll be like oh beautiful red tomato and then it's got like mouse nibbles in it some gross stuff Dang it. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I mean look at it this way there were such good tomatoes the mice were enjoying mm. them mm. yeah that's true that that's kind of cute now i'm living in an area with a mouse plague though like they've actually oh, oh right the mouse, mouse plague, plague. I so i'm a little bit like mm, don't know about that <laughs> yeah i heard all about that that was terrifying like seeing the videos and the news and stuff like that oh, i was just no, like no. Oh, oh my god apparently it happens every few years but like this year's been really bad and i like knock on wood haven't seen any around my house yet but other people in town <laughs> have them all through their houses so i don't know <laughs> if someone around here has been really good at baiting them or whatever but i haven't seen any Let's pray so, that let's pray that whoever that is, they keep doing that. I yeah, I get that. Well, it might even be like the the cats next door of scaring them. Uh, off. that know. would make sense. I can I get that feeling because there was a time with like my rabbit. She used to have like we had a hutch for her that we used to have on the ground mm. and like a little open area for her to run around in. Like so, she was like living in like basically you know like five star mansion virtually Mm -hmm. um but eventually we had to move her to a much more higher up area because what ended up happening was that mice were getting into the house and like going to her hutch because on the ground and taking her food because technically rabbit food and mice food are pretty similar so they were just taking Mm -hmm. her food so like she didn't care like she was kind of like a bit freaked out by them but she wasn't too bothered by them but yeah it would still be very it would be very freaky when I'd walk in to go check on her or feed her and I'd see like a tiny mouse like fucking dart away from the um hutch and I'd be like okay I'm done like <laughs> it was very nice and we finally got rid of it and like gave her her new elevated hutch so she didn't we don't have to worry about that issue anymore it was just like mm. oh thank god <laughs> that's so good <laughs> yeah I like I always found rabbits way too like they're so terrified of life I never knew how to interact with them. Like I'd make them anxious and then that would make me anxious. And I would just be like, no, maybe, maybe you're not the pet for me. Yeah. The rabbits are funny. Like we, uh, my mm-hmm. one's a little Netherlands dwarf rabbits. So it's a very small breed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it was, it was funny when we took her to the vet the first time, because it was like this local vet that we know that like, that we're kind of friends with and he was just looking over this rabbit being like what is this this is not a rabbit this is this is mm-hmm. weird like she's got tiny ears her eyes are way too big she's got no body fat she would not survive outside at all and we're like oh no she's an indoor rabbit and he was just looking at us like it's an indoor rabbit like <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's funny because like I, I should send you a picture of her at some point because her eyes mm-hmm. are huge like I, 
Mm. Every time anyone sees a photo of her, everyone's like, oh my god, her eyes. And it's like, is this not normal? (laughs) Biggest organ in her body. (laughs) Honestly, I had one point where we went, I went to a friend who had like, who managed like, who had their own rabbit. And technically I think it was a wild one because they found it eating their parsley and it was pretty pretty tame, so they just kind of took it and got it a hutch and looked after it and everything. And at one point, mm-hmm. I went to go see it, and it was huge. Like my mm-hmm. friends were joking, being like, "Oh God, what? How, how? How does this rabbit compare to? Oh, you okay? Yeah, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> I it would be like, mind. "Oh no!" It would be like, "Oh, well, how does this? How does parsley compare to raven?" And I'd just be sitting there like, "I could fit raven inside that thing." <laughs> It is like the range you can get with rabbits because some of them are such like massive things. Yeah, and we actually got told as well. We we haven't done it because obviously, like, we don't need to worry about that. She lives alone. There's no other rabbits around. But like, mm. obviously, like, she, but we were told if we wanted to like up get like, have an operation with her to get her uterus removed, she mm. would actually shrink even more. Oh, wow. <laughs> we're like, we're like geez how much room does it take in there like we um like obviously again we don't need to worry about that because we were talk. we remember we got the recommendation about it and then like our vet was talk. we mentioned it to the vet and the vet was kind of like so you want an operation to prevent your rabbit from getting pregnant who lives alone with no other male rabbits around to ever get it pregnant and he was just looking at us like do you see where the logic is flawed like i can do this but you're just wasting your money yeah, especially if it's inside. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I do miss having a pet, and one of my coworkers keeps trying to like give me one of her like cats because um cats like bred under her house, and there are like four oh. kittens, and she's like, "Please take one, please, like get them out of here." And I'm just like, mm, "I'd love to," but the last like tenant got kicked out because his cat like tore up the carpets in this house. so maybe not but she keeps tempting me she keeps showing me very adorable pictures and I'm like oh I wish it's yeah and then cats live for like a hundred years I couldn't I couldn't commit (laughs) fair enough they're very I love cats I've never had one but I do love them they're very cute I've lived with like other people's and it was just like my favorite thing they're so sweet oh that's too cute I think we've definitely um, had a, a nice range of froth or not today. And, I think um, so. <laughs> Welcome back to Loud and Queer with Loz and Liz. Today we basically just talked about like the growth of representation in children's media, which is just so good to see. Venting our frustrations with Sammy about the very about the census and just would love to see more representation in that. Thanks, thank you very much, government. Um, and then obviously our news stories for the week. Yeah, and um, you know that fantastic for or not that just kind of spoke volumes about both of our personalities I think um an incredible an incredible froth on up this week and I hope you all enjoyed it and um if you'd like to you know recommend what you'd like to listen to on the show next week or any other week 
um, tag us at sinloud on Instagram or Twitter or let us know on our Facebook page, Loud and Queer. You can find the podcast on any of our major streaming platforms. There's Omni, Spotify and iTunes or whatever they call it now, Apple Music. (laughs) And yeah, thank you for listening. And if you are listening live, we'll see you next Sunday at 3pm on 90.7 FM. Want more Loud and Queer? Follow our socials at SinLoud on Instagram and Twitter.